Well, hello everyone. <laughs> Hi, this is the bonus episode. The first one. It's really chill. We're finally in the same room, so yes. that's one thing. New new things have <laughs> happened. Uh, and we're talking about just people who hate the things that they create. I don't want to explicitly do like authors who hate the thing because that limits us a little bit it does because i know there's certain like writers or screenwriters and directors who even hate their movies um do you have a good one to start with <laughs> well one that oh so i'm just pulling up a list and i didn't realize this or maybe i'm just out of the loop here but i guess it's well known that pl travers did not like mary poppins which I guess that's what Saving Mr. Banks is about. I just never saw it. Well, Saving Mr. Banks is like a sanitized version of it. I haven't seen it since it came out. So that was like eight or nine years ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it's a good movie, but it's very much like you could tell Disney made this. Yeah, that's fair. I, I love Mary Poppins, though. I don't know how anybody could be mad at... Julie Andrews. Well, no one's mad at Julie Andrews, but I just watch Julie Andrews and be happy. So Miss Travers. I've never wrong? liked Mary Poppins in general, but that's just because it, I, I don't. She's a horrible witch lady. Okay. She's not a horrible <laughs> witch lady. She's a very nice lady who makes you take your medicine. And I'm sorry that you don't want to take your medicine, Zach. The songs also just annoyed me, I guess. Okay, fine. Whatever. Um, but something in this little. Uh, right up here this is a mental floss article for those who are interested um she apparently made edits uh she had some script uh, she was on the script at some point um but her edits were disregarded which i i guess i understand that but also it's like why even ask me to look at this script if you don't want to take my edits um that just reminds me of when somebody edits my work without me asking it's like, I didn't ask you to edit it. I was just asking you to read it. You could tell me what you think, but you don't need to change it all right well, now. So that's what that reminded me of. Yeah, because a big thing in that movie, and all, the only basis I have to go off of is that movie in my memory of seeing, <laughs> seeing it forever ago, mm-hmm. was that they had, Disney had a hard time getting the rights from her, too. It yeah. was like a, a real struggle because she didn't want to, to get rid of it. At that point. Just move on, Disney. Oh, no, they, they will never move on. I guess that's that, that was when Walt Disney was alive, too. Yeah, when so he was <laughs> forget about it. <laughs> Give me the rights or die, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Is the new one any good? I liked it. I, I feel like I had to think about it as if it was something completely different. Like, I couldn't. It was Mary Poppins-ish. I, you know, I don't really know how to describe it. I liked that Dick Van Dyke was in it still. I thought that was cool. Um, well, I know everybody's I feel like... favorite is in that movie, too. Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda. He was nice. I like him. <laughs> he did a good job. And, um, oh my gosh, um, Jim's wife, what's her name, who played Mary Poppins this time around? Oh, Emily Blunt. <laughs> It's like Jim's wife, He's you Jim. mean? Okay. Well, no, because when you say Jim's wife, I'm immediately thinking the actress who played Pam. Okay. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I liked her too. I liked Emily Blunt in um, in it. She did a good job. But she wasn't Mary Poppins. I was like, this is like Mary Poppins's cousin or something. You can't tell me this is Mary she Poppins. She looks a little bit more sinister than Julie Andrews does, just from like the posters. Fair. 
She's got kind of a smirk that I don't trust. That's <laughs> that's fair. The next one on this list is The Shining, which I think I have a, a lot, lot of people yeah. a lot of people know that Stephen King's pissed off about. He did not he, he, he did just, not like it. He <laughs> has lightened up on it. He, well, he doesn't like a lot of his adaptations though, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Like but The Shining specifically he hates because it's so different from the book. Mm-hmm. But The Shining as a book I don't think is as good as the movie. <laughs> Yeah, it's you gotta treat it as a different property, I guess. It's just two different things. But I mean, I, I listened to a, another podcast all about The Shining. Um, I for those who haven't heard me talk about this extensively, I listened to the Bechtel cast where they talk about um, the role of the representation of women in movies, and they ended up expanding that into like more intersectional conversations, but. Like, for for one thing that I'm thinking of, obviously, poor Shelley Duvall was treated like absolute garbage on that set. So Presenting Kubrick with clumps of her hair. Yeah, saying, you're literally traumatizing me, good sir. Um, <laughs> there's that. And then also, if I'm remembering correctly, the the guy that's like the, who comes out of nowhere, I can't remember his name, the, the black guy that's in it. Oh, um. I don't remember his name. It's on the tip of my tongue. I can't think of his name. Scatman Crothers. Sure. Yes, that man. He apparently lives in the book, which I think is nice. There's no need for him to die, right? I don't know. He needed to die in the movie. Didn't see a reason for it. Well, technically, so this is hard to to get around because it is very much... So the movie is completely different from the book. Mm -hmm. Like, there's parts of it where it's like, it builds up and it's very much very similar, but the movie really leans into like this place is actually haunted. Like mm-hmm. this is definitely haunted. There are ghosts here, like because the the shining is like the one supernatural element in the movie that's like definitely there. But in the movie, it's played up more like psychological, where it's like he's really yeah. just losing his mind because he's isolated and he's a recovering alcoholic with anger management issues. So that's like another movie. Like just make that movie then. Well, Kubrick. that's what he did. <laughs> but don't say it's The Shining. It say is it's The Shining. Jack Nicholson though. is having a problem. See, but the, <laughs> the Shining, <laughs> The Shining, the book is a lot weaker though because it's like it leans into like these things that aren't really scary, which a lot of Stephen King material does. Yeah, where he'll have like good ideas and good build up, but then it will be like the thing that always comes to mind is topiary animals that are threatening in the Why does the he book. do that all the time? Well, like, <laughs> in, weird. in it with, like, the balloons and everything. Like, mm-hmm. it works in some extent, but not it's really. It's more of a motif yeah. rather than an actual scary thing. Okay, I get you. I haven't read any of his stuff. I, I should. I have not. Did you see the sequel that they released? Yeah, I was going to get to that. So that's why, like, King has lightened up on Kubrick's mm-hmm. The Shining. Because the the movie ends, um, Jack Nicholson freezes outside the book, and his ghost comes to Danny, and he's like, "You have to blow up the hotel." Like it, uh, the book ends with him freezing outside, and uh, Danny and his mother escaping. Uh huh. Or I'm sorry, that's how that's the, movie the movie ends. ends yeah. yeah, the book ends with the hotel blowing up. because there's, like, a thing with the boiler that they keep referencing throughout the book where it's, like, you gotta... This is why you're here. You're here to keep this running. Okay. And it essentially blows up at the end, but his dad's ghost tells Danny, like, you gotta blow it up. Like, I... uh, This isn't really me. I'm possessed. 
Whereas Doctor Sleep is a sequel to The Shining, the movie. Okay. And it's very visually a sequel to that. And I haven't read the book, Doctor Sleep, but the movie is kind of like merging the two ideas. And it works really well in that way. Where it's like the the hotel is still there and they revisit the hotel and they end up blowing it up. And using that idea that the hotel is like this evil place where these ghosts basically are possessing the people that are coming in there. And they're feeding off of like the psychic energy, which is the shining. Okay. All right. That's cool. Because it looked like the the previews that I saw, I, I... It looked good. It, I'd only seen good. The Shining like once or twice, and I it's a good movie. I just <sighs> can't in good conscience <laughs> like Stanley Kubrick because I think he's a terrible man. I, I just, I don't, I can't. He's made some of my favorite movies. Yeah, but he's so. a bad man. <laughs> yeah, he's a bad dude. A lot of those like artsy, like yeah. filmmakers from that era were terrible though. Right. Like, one thing we can talk about, like, just to segue, is Steven Spielberg, and we've talked about this before, uh-huh. the Twilight Zone movie. Right. Like, he hates that movie, but it's because of the tragedy that surrounds it. Like, Vic Mar- Morrow, who was in a segment, and two kids died in a helicopter accident. Right. Because it wasn't, and it wasn't done properly. So, he dislikes that movie, and he, him and Kubrick were kind of close, and they were working on a movie together, but then Kubrick died. Hmm. And then Spielberg ended up taking over. They were, like, playing back and forth, like, you direct it. No, you direct it. Now write it. <laughs> All right. Just and hire a woman. <laughs> Spielberg Gosh. was like, well, I gotta make it now. <laughs> uh, here's here's one. Uh, so, Sahara, this is a McConaughey joint. I remember I've, I've seen this. I've never seen that. <laughs> and it wasn't good. It sounds not good. It sounds generic. <laughs> it, I don't even remember what it's about. I can't. I couldn't tell you. I know Penelope Cruz is in it. I think it has something to do with it. It's the desert. It's the Sahara. I don't remember. Uh, uh, poor if Dylan listens to this. He's going to be real pissed because I can't. I can't say anything about McConaughey. That's that's bad. I I like him. But... I think McConaughey made really bad movies for a really long time. He did. This is from two thousand five. So yeah, yeah. So that's, that's when he was yeah. making bad mm-hmm. movies. Um. Yeah, I made him watch, uh, what is that one, with uh, um, Sex in the City. What is the one? Uh, Failure to Launch. I made him watch <laughs> Romantic Comedy. Sex in the City. Uh, I made him watch Failure to Launch the other day, and he was not not having it. Um, well, yeah, that's a bad movie. <laughs> it's a bad movie. Um, <laughs> Any of those McConaughey romantic comedies from that era are pretty bad. He's the same uh, character. You know, I, I don't mind... Uh, how to lose a guy in 10 days. I don't I, mind that, but like it's that it's probably bad. I it's seen bad, it really but I time. like it. Um, uh, Queen of the Damned never saw that. Oh, that's a train wreck. Of, that one has that <laughs> singer who died in the the plane crash. Uh, What's her name? Uh, Aaliyah? Yes. Aaliyah's she died like shortly after. That's her one movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, and she died shortly after it, but that's a sequel to um, Interview with a Vampire. Oh. Yeah, that's an, it, one of those Anne Rice vampire movies. And okay, because I saw Interview with a Vampire. I have not seen The Queen of the Dead. I kind of liked that movie, but I... Interview uh, with a Vampire? Yeah. Yeah, it's really good, but it's super slow. Yeah, I yeah. I think it's got a great it, great performances in that movie, though. Mm-hmm. Like, Tom Cruise plays against type in that movie. I really like that. I don't think she... I think she likes that movie. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, let me see. No Be- more vampire. So yeah, I mean, 
The casting was so bizarre, she said. It's almost impossible to imagine how it's going to work. So she loved Cruz's betrayal. Told him what an impressive job he had done. But I guess she just didn't like the next one. Um, well, yeah, that one was made ten years later, and it was a completely different production team. What's funny is, so Forrest Gump, the author of Forrest Gump, did not like the movie. I didn't read, did you, have you ever read No, I, I know about it. I know about the sequel, too. Sequel? Yeah, there's a sequel book where he like meets Saddam Hussein. Oh and, my god! Yeah, it's real weird. Why? It came out after the movie, also. Okay, That's but weird. I think that the disability is different in the book compared to the movie. Do they ever explain what it is? In the movie, they just say he's slow, but I think in the <sighs> book, he's like, and he's a savant. I think that's what they they say okay. in the actual book. Yeah, I go back and forth on, like, do we name this person's, like, disability in a movie? Because it's like... He's an unfaithful narrator. Right. Or unreliable. Well, unreliable narrator, but also, like, is the movie ever going to get somebody's disability right? Like, how... Same thing with, like, mental illness. It's like Joker, for example. Eh. Okay, so somebody is mentally ill. They've got a lot of things going on. It would be more accurate to say that he's going to put himself in harm's way than go out and, like, shoot up a bunch of people. Like, that's just not, that's not how mental illnesses work. That's not a healthy thing. It's kind of how it's it's portrayed in the movie, because they they lead up where it's like he is going to commit suicide. Right. But then he... he, he, Incites a bunch of BS. Which I I prefer to, I I will say this, I, I love Joker as a chaotic evil just because it's a comic book and that's goofy and weird and it's... It's fun to think about people being brought to the edge of, like, um, horrible choices, like, between, like, like, like the, in the Dark Knight, when they have to decide, you know, do yeah. we blow up this or do the, or do we with that? It, it's more of a comment on the people around him than him itself. Because that's, that's what I like. Yeah, that's the thing that the, that movie does, is it takes it away from, like, somebody making a comment on society and mm-hmm. they just twist it into that into their own you know fitting that narrative at mm-hmm. that time mm-hmm. rather than it being like this is what they really mean but yeah. that's what like cuz that movie is heavily inspired by the killing joke which is a great yeah great graphic novel mm-hmm. but it's not that movie <laughs> no no not i knew that all. it was based on that i had, i i still need to watch that cuz i i think they well, the they did is, like a the movie's not good they, oh, they well really? Well, the thing is, so it, it's actually right behind you, the killing joke, too. Um, and um, the thing is with that is it's really short. Mm-hmm. It, it's only about, like, 90 pages, maybe. And it's a self-contained story, but they do, like, flashbacks to, like, the origin, basically. Okay. But the movie, because they have to film 90 minutes, has, like, a 45-minute Batgirl story beforehand. Do Which, we ever learn anything about Batgirl? Yeah, that's the why they put it in there though, because okay. in the Killing Joke, that's where she's okay. she's um, shot. Oh, geez. yeah. Okay. Bringing in a woman just to kill her. Sounds yeah, great. Alan Moore does. It. Oh, that's somebody we can talk about. <laughs> Alan Moore. He he doesn't like the Killing Joke anymore because yeah. of that reason. Because he was like, oh, I fridged her. Like that was. <laughs> but then Classic. she became more she became a stronger character after that happened because she tech, she became Oracle who was like Batman's eye in the sky for a while and oh. then her story after that was like overcoming like her paralysis 
Right. So you use the phrase, um, he, I, he fridged her, which I know what that means. But if people are listening and they don't know what that means, it's really just like bringing a woman in. Just <laughs> Do you know the origin literally, of that term, too? Uh, can you remind me? I've heard so it. So in, I think it was the 90s, Hell Jordan, Green Lantern, uh, found his... I think it was his girlfriend's head in a fridge, mm. and it's like killing a female character just to incite some kind of plot motivation. Yeah, it's, yeah, so she dies to allow the male character to have some sort of, like, I don't know, some sort of growth, which is like, okay. Yeah. That happens in a lot of movies, and I don't get me started on it. <laughs> um... So American Psycho, the writer of American Psycho, did not like the movie. I watched that movie one time. I really liked it. It was really upsetting. I can never watch it again. Yeah. So that's a movie I put on. Like, if I I know somebody who hasn't seen it, I'm like, oh well, we we gotta watch it because it's got some great moments. That that Huey Lewis in the news scene is so good. It's great. It's so good. (laughs) It's 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 a scene that I will rewatch like frequently. But also, it's got the business card scene, too. The business card scene. It's so well directed. I love that movie. But, yeah, so (laughs) I tried to read the book. And you know how in the movie, like, are you familiar with the book at all? No. So in the movie, you know how he goes through, like, his daily routine and, Mm -hmm. like, everything he does. The whole movie is, or I'm sorry, the whole book is written like that oh jeez! it's like almost like it's uh like it's his manifesto basically where he's very it's about you know being Mm self-involved and literally literal psychosis so would it read to somebody who does not have psychosis would that read like a journal entry like how would that kind of okay because i'm just trying to figure out how i would process that it's super dry though yeah but that's the thing the movie makes it more interesting Mm -hmm. in that way because it like it's got the visual aspect to it and it you know you hear his inner monologue but at the same time you have this like is it all in his head is it not which i think is kind of lost in the book which might be why brett easton ellis doesn't like it because it's very gray area where it's like what's this all in his mind that's what i'm thinking about about this movie and then also back to the shining do you think authors are just a little peeved that maybe a filmmaker was able to show an audience a little different perspective on their own idea and they're like um triggered by that i think that so I'm very mixed on this too mm-hmm. though. Because if you change too much, it's like it's not the same thing anymore. Right. And what are you going you ruin that for somebody else cuz you can't just remake it again. So a good example of this I think is uh about 10 years ago they made a live action Dragon Ball movie. A what? Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball. Yeah. Okay. And oh, you it lost is. Me. I I know. So <laughs> that's why I was like, "What?" It is. <laughs> it was written during the writer strike. Okay. And it is totally not what the so- source material is. It's mm-hmm. like this whitewashed mess of a movie about a high schooler, and then the show is like this mythic fantasy thing mm-hmm. where it's like it, it, they just completely lost the point, basically. Right. And I think that's kind of where it's like because that's a bad example of like how you adapt something. But then you have something like American Psycho where you have, like, this is the same story and the same characters, and I'm taking what you did in the book and I'm putting my own spin on it. 
Yeah. I think that's acceptable, kind of. Which, you know, we were talking about, we talked about um, Romeo and Juliet a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And, like, that's one where it's, like, it's a very straightforward, like, it's not that complicated of a story. So you could redo that a hundred different ways. I don't think, I wouldn't argue that that loses the thread. Right? Shakespeare's also been dead for over So, well, no years. one's, who cares if he's mad? Exactly. Um, whatever. But does it lose the point? No, not really. Unless you do Baz Luhrmann's thing and you decide to not change anything but the costumes and have all of your actors shout the whole time. Yeah. But don't get me on that again, because I will go. Um, but, like, you got, um, well, Titanic, you've got... Uh, West Side Story, which I did not even mention in that episode, so excuse me while I well, jump we, out we'll the window. We'll have to get to that. That's a whole different <laughs> That'll episode. That'll be a whole nother episode. Yeah. I don't even, I guess that's a thing. That's actually, I'm glad that I brought that up because I don't even think about Romeo and Juliet and um, West Side Story in the same, like, like in the same thought, really, because mm-hmm. it's, it's its own thing. Like, sure, it is Romeo and Juliet, but it's really, it's its own thing at this point. Right. So is that is that that's good right it's like almost a genre in itself is romeo and juliet adaptations right it's a genre i think where it breaks up is like if you're you're adapting like something long form where Mm -hmm. it's like when they did the the new dc movies like not that long ago they kill superman in the second movie right and it's like you've ruined that storyline forever (laughs) because you can't do it again right right so it's like that compared to adapting The Shining, which is a one-off novel, like, mm-hmm. it's written, it's done. Like, there's, as far as we know, there's no continuation of that. Mm-hmm. Like, take it, take the basic story, and then tweak a few things to work better for a film. Or to work better for your vision. Like, you've hired Stanley Kubrick. Like, you've, I, I don't know if that was King's choice, but I think Kubrick probably was like, I could do something cool with this. Mm-hmm. Let him do his own thing, right? Basically, or maybe don't because he'll terrorize. It also default. right. So that's another that leads me to to bring up my. I'm going to say favorite, but I really don't mean it at all. Um, one of the more things that I've been I've been focused on lately is uh, learning about the Lolita adaptations because that was a book. That, I mean, I'm an, I mean, I went to school for English. I avoided that book forever because it's scary and, and fucked up. But I know very little about so it. So it's... Um, so the way that that book is written, it's written by the, the main, the main character is, uh, Humbert Humbert, who is a, like, he's a pedophile and it's written from his perspective. And right off the bat, you know that he's, um, defending himself before a court to try to convince him, them of his like innocence that he's actually in love with Lolita, this girl. Well, her name's not Lolita. It's Dolores. Um, he's in love with this girl. He's not, you know, he's not guilty of, you know, crimes. He's he's fine. He's a good guy. Um, so the whole thing is his story. But, you know, I think when people try to adapt that, uh, they lose that part of it. And that's why it turned into this love story. Right. Is that what happens in the Kubrick movie? That's pretty much what, like, every adaptation has served to do is, like, it has taken away that whole, like, oh, wow, this is a story about child abuse and has turned it into this really messed up 
love story. And I was like, that's how it was marketed, too. I'm doing air quotes because it's not a love story. It's abuse. Um, well, Lolita was... is from the 60s. Is that right? It, well, the originally... Uh, well, the Kubrick. The Kubrick is, yeah, 60s. Um, so, yeah. So, like, every adaptation, including Kubrick's, including, like, the stage version that was done... Um, there was another movie, and again, I'm I'm taking a little research from another podcast I listened to. It's called the Lolita Podcast. So if you wanted to listen to it, you can. But um, it's it's just so messed up because I mean, obviously, it's not a love story. That's how it was marketed, and every adaptation since then has been has only done that and not revisited the fact that it's a story about abuse. Oh, so okay. so it's like it's been for and, and then culturally we've all had this like i mean how many times have you heard oh like some so-and-so's got a lolita complex or like there's like a, a younger maybe more sexual girl or maybe not even a or a younger like attractive person that identifies as female is being called lolita because she's I don't know, maybe promiscuous or maybe she dresses or whatever. So it's like putting the onus on the kid instead of the adult man who's doing the abusing. It's right. it's just, it's so, it, it's a whole thing. It's a rabbit hole of bullshit. So um, my only context for it, like Lolita in general, is mm-hmm. there's a comic series called Sex Criminals. Lovely. Yeah, it, awesome. it's not what it sounds like. It, okay. it, they rob banks. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and they freeze time when they have sex. That's the plot of it. <laughs> Why do that? Okay, never mind. No, it's really good, but basically the, the couple in it that I get meet. Okay. Um, the woman's favorite book is Lolita, Ugh. and she's like a librarian, and then the guy is an actor, and he quotes James Mason, who I think is the the male lead in that movie yeah he is the male lead in that movie which is is not it's not great because there's just a whole uh, like i said a rabbit hole of of bullshit that goes along with it like a lot of the the research that this this woman did that her name's jamie loftus she does she has a whole podcast um where she did the research that she did she found that a lot of people that ended up being like groomed as young girls like teachers would give them that book give the girls that book and be like this is just like that and i'm like what um okay these I people like need to, to be in jail yeah i feel like i need to look into this now yeah i'm kind of interested in like the backstory about it and everything you know i just went off i was like i haven't really known about this i'm, I'm gonna just tune in and see like what's going on like why why did she choose to do all this research and now i'm like Okay, I now I, I need to do all this research. I think I've probably stumbled upon in that YouTube channel, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a whole like there's a whole community that like there's uh, there's also Lolita Fashion, which apparently has nothing to do with with the book at all, but it has the same name, so that's. Also I think weird. that's that's based on the based on what I know about it. That's mm-hmm. just based on the character in the Kubrick movie and how. They yeah, I think it has some yeah. of that, but yeah, I. It's a mess. So, long story short, the reason why I brought it up is because Nabokov did not want that to happen. Like, I think he was he was brought in on the Kubrick film. I think he co-wrote the original script, if I'm remembering correctly, and then Kubrick basically threw it out. So I'm like, this man, I hate this man. He sucks. Um, well, th- that also happened on <laughs> Clockwork Orange. Okay. Like, I read the book and... That book is unbearable to me because well, <laughs> it has this rhythm to it, and it's really annoying. I don't know why. I couldn't. 
I couldn't stand it. Rhythm like a Shakespeare, like iambic pentameter kind of thing? No, or what? It, it, I don't know how to explain it because it like almost rhymed, but at the same time it would be, it, you know how they talk in the movie, right? I don't, I, I've never been able to watch it. So I, okay. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's, <laughs> it's unbearable. I don't know how to explain it. I, I read it in high school, but the foreword of it, is I can't think of the author's name too, but um, he basically says like, "Oh, um, just so you know, there's an extra chapter at the end of this book that was in the original version, but every edition that came out after the movie excluded it because the movie ends right at the right before the beginning of the last chapter." So, so we're going to exclude it from the book. They excluded it? it from the book from that from that point on, and then they just recently re-added it within the last like ten or twenty years. What? But it's the but. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. That's where I'm like, that's stupid. Mm -hmm. Then again, the movie has a better ending than the book because the book, like, that extra chapter wraps up things. And it's like, I like it being like, is it like, because in the movie, like, they brainwash him and they create it, make it so he's like he's sickened by violence and like all these other right i'm remembering what the plot is like they break out of so he so it's about the droogs who are these horrible rapists like murderers uh gang members basically lovely and they all come in conflicts with each other and Malcolm McDowell plays Alex, who's like the head, and uh-huh. he ends up getting arrested. And they're like, "We're gonna experiment on you and see if we right, can make right. you sick with right because of these horrible things you do." Right. And it works. And he's ended up taken in by the um. He ends up being released, but he's broke, and he's taken in by one of the women who he assaulted, basically. But she's blind now. So she doesn't know what he looks like, and that's why she takes him in, because she's like, oh, I'll help you, and he's... Why would yeah. you do that? Oh my god, only a man would write that. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. That's the worst. Oh, I hate that. So he's, like, trying to become a better person, basically. Yeah, but don't make yeah. your... Uh, don't make the person you abuse... See, don't she finds her. Out. She finds out down the line, okay, though. She does. And, okay. Yeah. Alright, well, for anybody listening, we just ruined a clockwork orange how many years hey, later. This is a Spoilers! <laughs> this is for the patrons. We were talking about... Everything here is fake. Fair game, I feel like. <laughs> That's true. Spoilers. Yeah, um, yeah but I, I the feel The movie's like... terrible. <laughs> I like the movie, okay. but it's only because it's, like, that weird 70s, like, artsy shit. Okay. But, yeah. um, yeah, a lot of Kubrick stuff is adaptation, too. That's like, true. Why? Write your own movie. Damn it. Well, that's what, um, <laughs> what's the last one he made? Um, Eyes Wide Shut. I think that might be a book, actually, now that I'm saying it out loud. I think it is. <laughs> yeah, um, the, that one, he got final cut on that. He died right before it came out, I think. Hmm. I think it is a book. Or something. Um, yes, it, it, it's based on a novella. Okay, yeah. That's what a lot of Kubrick stuff is, though. Like, it's based on, like, an idea or, you know, he has an interesting vision to put on it. Like, AI. Mm-hmm. AI is Pinocchio. <laughs> Which is creepy enough as it is. Yeah. That movie scared the crap out of AI? me when I was a kid. No, no, no it's Pinocchio! Scared... Oh, AI scared me as a kid. The donkey thing. I was like, why is oh, the, yeah. why is he a donkey? Oh my god. For whatever reason. I don't the know Jonathan Taylor Thomas Pinocchio scared me. Oh, yeah, that would. Yeah, yeah. Th- it had creepy, unsettling CGI from the 90s. Oh, like, um, 
worse than uh, Tom Hanks in the uh, what's it called the Christmas movie with the oh uh, the Polar Express. Polar Express. Yeah, it's worse than Uncanny that. Valley. I'm going to show you a picture of it <laughs> just uh, so you know what I'm, I'm well, talking cause, about. Because now I'm thinking of um, the the CGI the, the original CGI for Pixar with the creepy baby. Oh, um, yeah, I know what you're talking Not about. even Toy Story, that was before Toy Story. But then if you look at Andy's little sister in that movie. The dog good, in that movie, Good too. lord. Oh, God, it's not good. Oh, maybe it isn't CGI. Maybe it is a real puppet. Um, Why did I think it was CGI? I think oh, it's just because it's just unsettling. a very ugly puppet. <laughs> it's a great audio content. Um, yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah. Oh, it's a Jim Henson puppet, too. What? Oh, no. That's embarrassing for Jim. Well, he was dead at that point, so. Oh, that's true. I don't have a sense of time of when <laughs> things, when people are alive and dead. Ugh. Well. So, um, Ed Norton. <laughs> I feel like we should wrap up on that. Oh, with, Anything um, he, he's ever done. He likes to get his hands on the, um, in the editing room. Hmm. Yeah, so. I didn't know that. Yeah, and you know American History X? Mm-mm. Okay, he, <laughs> the screenwriter and him were at odds with each other. He okay. recut the entire ending of that movie. Just Ed Norton did because he was bored. He was technically a producer on it, <laughs> oh, I think. Okay. But he likes to. He's like a writer, and he'll rewrite scripts. And like he's done that for a bunch of movies. But then I, one movie I know specifically he hates is the Italian Job, okay. the remake he's in. He <laughs> was just under contract. So he was like, okay, I'm going to do a bunch of weird shit in this movie. Like, I'm going to shave my head and grow a beard. Like, look not like Ed Norton, basically. <laughs> and then he was like, I'm not going to do any press for it, too. And... Just going to hang out and do yeah. whatever I want. I guess that's how you work with other people. <laughs> I, I, I can't even worst. hate him, though, because I kind of love everything he's in, for the most part. And then um, the other thing, he's in The Incredible Hulk. He was, oh, right. He was the original Hulk guy. Yeah. And he was rewriting the script mm. as it was going on. And Marvel was like, uh, can you not do that? So that's why he wasn't so, invited back. <laughs> yeah. How does he do... Like, okay. How how do you do that? I think he's he's a producer. Okay. I think he, he... Even if he's, like, with whether, like, not even, like, not even worrying about that part of it. But how, how physically are you rewriting the script while also starring it and trying like one person can't think about all those things at the same time and have a clear head like i i'm just trying to think of i think there's certain people who can do it though can they or are they I just think control it, freaks i mean yeah both but there's certain people who can like write and direct and yeah. But that's that's the thing about spielberg whenever i bring him up I, everybody's like oh i love it. he's so creative and i'm like He's not writing most of those movies. That's fair. He's he's directing them. Like he he has a vision, but he and he has an eye for things that are good and yeah. unique. But he's not writing all of those movies. He finds somebody else to write them. Yeah, I just feel like after I've written something, I'd like it to be done. Like, don't ask me to do anything else. To, but also, I guess if you want my opinion, I'll tell you. Just don't change the whole thing. I think it really depends. Like, there's certain stories where it's like, if this is personal to you, mm -hmm. you've got to see it done. Like, if you're, I, I'm trying to think of a good Mike Birbiglia is a good. He's a stand-up comic. Yeah. And he has the one-man show, um, Sleep Sleepwalk with Me. 
and then he adapted it into a movie. And that's okay. a story about him, and it's written, produced, starring him. Like, right. it's, and it, it, it's just like, that's, you have that story, you have to tell it, like. Yeah, it's one thing if you're like, this is my story, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna tell it, I'm gonna do it, and then, I don't know, just have a plan. I feel like rewriting things in the middle of, of production, I, maybe I'm just scarred. To be fair, those... Maybe I'm just scarred from past productions, when we were almost done, maybe a week away, and, and we had to chain, worry about maybe changing the ending to something, and I was like, but... To be fair, those early, early Marvel movies, though, mm-hmm. like Iron Man and Hulk, both were written, or they were filmed during the writing strike. Ooh, so the Iron yeah. Man didn't have a script. Oh, wow. Yeah, they were improvising most of that movie. And that was so good. I love Iron Man. Yeah. And same thing with that one, but Ed Norton was, you know, rewriting when they had a writer, but that writer also was maybe not good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know if I ever saw that one, actually, now that I'm thinking of it. I don't Everybody, think I saw the Ed Norton Hulk. Everybody gives it shit, and they're like, oh, it's the worst one. And I'm like, it's not that bad. I it, kind of forget to watch it if I were to, if I were to watch all the Marvel movies I would not think to watch that. It's on par with okay. like Thor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um did you Okay, so I know we have to end this, but did you watch we can the go to 45 um, minutes, Okay, <laughs> did you watch did you watch the Winter Soldier series? I did. I, I is it good? It was heavy-handed at the end, I okay. think. Okay, all right. I haven't watched I, I haven't watched the last episode. Is the last oh, episode? Oh, yeah, that came out this morning. That's what I was about oh, to go into. Oh, yeah, don't go over it yet. But, <laughs> but I think it's heavy-handed the whole way through, would be my, my argument. But then I again, I had think, to think to myself, this is Marvel. They ha- they gotta. It's a superhero so movie. It's gonna be heavy-handed. This isn't, like, a huge spoiler. I'm not gonna tell you what it's about. But at the end, basically, there's a speech that's given. Oh, God. And it's it's very much, like, to the camera, almost. And I Jim think... Jim Helpert was. <laughs> not, not Jim Helpert-like. But, like, very much, like, this is Anthony Mackie talking to you. Oh, no. But it's, like... I don't mind it, though, in a way, because it's almost like, because Marvel is not just for adults. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it is for kids who need to have, like... Those conversations. Yeah, yeah, and I think it addresses some points in a very... Like, it doesn't tiptoe around it like other yeah, like superhero true. things would, typically. That's true. I was I was thinking because I was complaining about it. I was like, "Oh, this is so heavy-handed! Oh my gosh, the my writing, dad the writing it is too so woke. bad." <laughs> yeah, it's too woke. It's like too woke for its own good. Blah blah blah. And I'm like, "Yeah, you could have that argument." And then I started thinking about it. Number one, yeah, it's not for kids. Number two, no, it is for kids. Or, or no, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm saying it is for kids. Usually, kids aren't aren't doing it, and it also is for for adults, and it's also for people who may not be having those conversations on the day to day basis. So maybe it is good that we do it a little more heavy-handed. Because a lot of the people commenting on these things are very, like, oh, get woke, go broke, or whatever they say. Like, yeah. yeah. And it's like, you have to kind of do it in a way that's like, listen, stop being stupid. It's like, it shouldn't, It well, the thing is, it really should not be a big deal that Captain America may or may not be white, black, Asian, whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. it should not be a big deal, but... For a lot of people, it would be such a big deal. Remember when The Hunger Games was filmed and people were throwing a frigging fit because Rue was a black girl? She's supposed to be, first of all, number one. 
she's not supposed to be any I, I particular race. I don't remember the that, outrage, it was like but a whole I, I thing. It. People were pissed off that this girl... And I'm like, oh, okay, literally not even the point of this. Like, all these kids are dying? Like, that should be your... Like, that's that's the wrong part about yeah. this movie. Can we talk? Um, but it, it shouldn't be a big deal. But, I, yeah, I had to rethink, rewire my brain on that and think, well, first of all, this is a superhero movie. The writing is not going to be great. Like, it's not going to be subtle because it's a superhero movie. I think, they hit things with yeah. hammers. Like, like It is what? the weakest Marvel thing from recent memory. Yeah. But it's WandaVision also... was really good. It was really good. And, and I liked the bulk of what this thing was, what the show was. Mm-hmm. But it's... There's certain parts of it where I'm like, maybe this should have been a two-hour-long movie. Right. They did draw it out a bit. Yeah. But, yeah. It, I mean, six episodes, an hour long a week, I was fine with that. Yeah. Like, I, I was totally committed to doing that. I want more WandaVision, though. I think I just want more Wanda. I, I want to see where she goes. I, I really liked that this show. This is now become I, a superhero podcast. I, you know, I don't mind. This is extra, so whatever. <laughs> But, like, WandaVision, I wasn't expecting to really like it, because I was like, it seems a little gimmicky and, like, mm-hmm. weird. But it was the one I was looking forward to the least, aside mm-hmm. from Loki. I wasn't looking forward to Loki initially, and then they showed a trailer, and I was like, fuck, I'm in. I love Loki, though. I love Loki, but it's not, it, in my head, I was like, that's not going to push the story forward, though, because it's right, it's a separate thing now. Because, mm-hmm. you know. But now maybe yeah. it is, because he's fixing a timeline or something? Okay. I don't know. I haven't watched. I I haven't watched Only the preview for it. When is when is that supposed to come out? That's June. Okay. It was supposed to be like every month there was going to be more Marvel, mm, but, but know, then they delayed Black Widow. Well, yeah, and also the the, the pandemic, probably. You know. Yeah. Right. Um. Well, like Captain America, or I keep calling it Captain America Four. Um, <laughs> That's what it is. Captain America 4. It's a sequel to Captain America, which they announced Captain America 4 earlier today. Oh, they did? Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, oh, so, I, I miss Chris Evans already. It's fine. <laughs> Whatever. So, um, I, I, that was supposed to come out last November. That mm-hmm. was supposed to be the first show that they did. Okay. And then they were going to do WandaVision after that. Okay. But Black Widow was supposed to come out in May of last year, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you saw the last episode of, the, the the fifth episode of Falcon Winter Soldier, yeah, right? Yeah, Julia Louis-Dreyfus shows up. Yeah! She was, she's like, supposed to make her appearance in like, Black Widow first. I was like, what's Elaine doing here? And why is her hair blue? Why isn't she dancing funny? I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> she's funny, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was good. I liked it. Um, now I just feel like we should go watch Seinfeld. <laughs> That's a switch from, from Captain America. All right. Yeah. I think I think we've had about enough yeah. of this. <laughs> fuck Kubrick. Anyway, that, fuck that's Kubrick. Your... Um, yeah, that's what I have to say about that. But thank you all for joining us, for being yes. patrons, for hanging out with us. And if you want to hear anything specific that we that you'd like us Ooh, to talk about, let us idea. know. Because you know, I, we will just keep talking about Black Widow. So, or, or, you know, Captain America for the rest of forever. Yeah. Don't stop us. So please, so please. Tell us what you want us to talk about. Yeah, and then I know um, I'm forcing you to watch Star Wars <laughs> for the first time so we could discuss it here. So that's a thing that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Did you already start that yet? I didn't. Okay. I, I, I don't know why I, you're... T- I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Don't sound too excited. <laughs> I put it off for 30 years, Zach, okay? <laughs> but all right, I'll do it. I promise. Yeah. Anyway, thank you all. Have a great day. Yes, and we don't need to tell anybody to, to subscribe to Patreon because you're already you're here. Because you're already here, and thank you for being here. All right, goodbye. Bye. <laughs>